Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, it's a beautiful, sunny, warm bank holiday Monday. I was hoping we might have a goodly morning. We do not have a goodly morning. From a football point of view, anyway, outside in the world, it seems quite goodly. But here, on the microphones, it's not goodly at all. Maybe we should just pretend the football isn't happening. Do you know what I mean? Just not talk about it. Uh, Just talk about the weather and what we're up to this bank holiday and stick our heads in the ground and imagine none of that took place at the Emirates Stadium yesterday. We could do that, but I think the people who are tuning into this show (laughs) might not appreciate that. I think they're here, uh, like us, to experience a little bit of catharsis, maybe. We're going to have to talk this one out. We're going to have to go through the whole gamut of the emotions that, that we had yesterday. It was quite interesting, wasn't it? I was, I was, uh, we were talking last night on, on WhatsApp about the potential for you know, doing the recording last night. Mm-hmm. And both of us felt that was probably not the greatest idea because <laughs> we could calm down a bit in the meantime. Yeah, Gain a bit of perspective, maybe. How's that process going for you? Are you arriving at uh, some position of calm? Well, yeah, I guess so. Look, I've had to write about it already this morning, so I've I've written about it on the blog, and my thoughts are in there for anybody who wants to read that, but we can go into a bit more depth. Certainly, there was a point yesterday afternoon where my ire was Mm. quite iresome. I, I don't know. It was significant. Say. I was in Ireland, quite literally. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. There was a frustrated part of the day for me. I mean, here's the, uh, here's the. I don't know what what this tells you, but when the Mustafi mistake happened for the second goal, so many people logged on to the live blog to see what. I'd written about it. It crashed the live blog for about 15 minutes. The traffic was just too uh, too great for it to cope with. Um, so I wow. think the frustration that I felt at that particular moment in time was shared across the the Arsenal supporting world. And I'm sure you yourself were were feeling similar thoughts. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, it's tempting to get straight onto that, isn't it? Because it was such a significant moment in the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, come to it, but, you know. It will come around. I mean, I, I'm very disappointed, very frustrated by yesterday's result because it was an amazing opportunity and it ought to have been such a goodly morning as well. What with Manchester United losing in hilarious fashion yeah. at Everton 4-0 and making our 1-0 defeat there look like a relatively mm. decent result. And Tottenham uh, losing as well on Saturday. Of course, yeah, at Manchester City. So everything had panned out 
pretty well for us. It was a fantastic opportunity to kind of tighten our grip on the Champions League qualification places, and we didn't do that. And I think, I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we, on the podcast? You know, are we slightly taking it for granted that we'll win these home games? And I think I said I was worried about Palace and Benteke and all these and Zaha. And I hate, you know, I'm, I'm so often wrong, Andrew. I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, so, I'm in a state of shock about that. Um, yeah. I yeah. think, you know, but to be honest, that was mainly fear speaking. You know, it was sort of trepidation. I still thought this was a game that we ought to win, especially with so much on the line and at such a crucial point in the season. And having gone to Naples and got the result there as well, you know, I really felt like yeah. there was some positive momentum behind the team and... Oh, it's just so infuriating. It's very to, Arsenal, isn't it? It's a very it's Arsenal, Arsenal thing to yeah. do, is to have this tremendous home record, to play really well against Napoli and, and win in Italy, to have won away against Watford, even though there were issues with our performance, you know, against the 10 men, and, and we spoke about that. But, you know, a game that we look at as not quite a banker, because, you know, if you, if you take anything for granted in the Premier League, you're asking for a bit of trouble. And I, this morning, have a feeling, it's only a feeling, of course, that maybe Emery took our home record or our home form a bit for granted in terms of how he approached the game and how he set up the team. And I know it was, you know, three days after the Napoli game. I know that the, the schedule has been very, very busy and very hectic over the last little while. So, you know, I was expecting a certain amount of rotation. Injuries played a part, all of those things. But I just felt in terms of his team selection, he got too many things wrong in that first half. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on how he set up the team. Uh, I was surprised by some of the personnel. You know, I didn't think, I didn't think Mavropanos would play. I knew that we'd t- spoken about it as a possibility, but I thought maybe after his outing at Watford, that would be maybe too great a risk. Did I you did you have an on. issue with that? Not particularly. Not particularly. I mean, Mavropanos. I mean, as soon as he was booked in the game, you were like, well, he's not going to last ninety minutes. Here. Mm. You know, because it, it became evident straight away that you're not going to leave him on. Arsenal were going to have to change things, and they were probably going to go to a back four, given that they were chasing the game. And he was an obvious sort of sacrificial lamb. Uh, who was in the back three with him? So it was Mustafi, Kashalni, and Mavropanos. Mm. I, I didn't have a huge issue with it, and I can see that Monreal might need a rest. Um, was I was, think that Emery kind of I just kind of think that Emery thinks as long as he's got Koscielny there, sort of holding it all together. Yeah, I mean, was he can kind of do what he wants. Was the issue not more with the fact that it was a back three? Because that's where it was for me, anyway. I mean, the selection of Carl Jenkinson was a bit baffling as well. Um, yeah, that I mean, was of, particularly yeah. surprising. Look, me. of course, um, Emery is more privy to the physical effects that the recent schedule has has had on certain players. But, you know, I look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles and I see a young, fit guy who has played regularly enough this season, but not so much that you you look at him and think he's knackered or he should be knackered. Um, And I think the, the second half began with the back four that we probably should have put out in the first place, um, based on uh, you know who was who was available, 
Um, so I thought the the Jenkinson selection was a was a weird one, and I thought basically playing a back three when you've got a midfield two of El Nenny and Genduzi was wrong. I think that's that's really the thing that I looked at and thought, okay, we're going to struggle today because I don't know that those two players are in any way compatible as a as a duo as a pairing yeah that's it and i so i don't particularly take issue with the back three i think we've been playing really well in that system and i of course appreciate that aaron ramsey being in the midfield too has been a big part of that but i think we have players who could play uh, in a more progressive way in the midfield and in fact I actually really think that Lucas Torreira is potentially one of those players you know I know we think of him as he's sort of defensive minded but a lot of the time when he's played for us he's played wide in a diamond or we've even seen him play wide on the right he has been quite high up the field uh, on quite a number of occasions and I think if you'd put him in alongside an Elneny or a Gunduzi, I think yeah. it would have given you a much more balanced midfield. Well, I also the, think that the issue there, sorry to cut across you, the issue is that he couldn't play 90 minutes. And I was told that yesterday by somebody who, who said that, you know, physically he's not able to play for 90 minutes. And that's why okay. he was on the bench. So do you, I mean, for me, that's where, that's where um, when he picked the back three and picked those two, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying about them, individually or, or whatever, but I think you need another player with them to make it function in any way. I think we saw yesterday, it just does not function when they're the two without somebody a bit closer to them. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, and I, and you know, that both players are getting killed on social media and I, I don't subscribe to that. I think that it's um, odd that, People have decided El Nenny is a terrible footballer. They didn't think that a year ago. I don't know why they've changed their minds. I think Genduzi, a couple of months ago, people were saying he's worth, you know, hundred million pounds and going to be, you know, the star of the Arsenal midfield. I just think the balance between them is all kinds of wrong, and we saw that at Goodison Park. So it really surprised me to see them again. But if you're telling me that Torreira couldn't play, well. I mean, Emery said after the match, Shaka could have played today. Well, he said, uh, what did he say? He could have played, but it would have been a risk. Yes. Well, so they in decided, my opinion, yeah, go on. that's a risk worth taking because we knew that El Nenny and Ganduzi together doesn't work. Um, and I was I was really, really surprised to see that. And I think that also in a, in a back three, there's huge onus on the wing backs. And I just think Carl Jenkinson isn't really at the requisite level to, to do what we need him to do. You know, he can sort of run up and down, but he mm. can't beat a man. You know, he, he's not... He can barely he can barely sort of, like, play a quick one-two. He's barely got the technical capacity to do that. And I'm not being cruel. I'm just saying that we ask our wing-backs to be everything. We ask them to be able to defend. We ask them to be able to carry the ball. We ask them to be able to deliver in the final third. And I just think that was too much expectation on him. Uh, so, yeah, I think if you have Elneny and Ganduzi in the central pairing, maybe you do have to have a back four, yeah. as we did in the second half, and have an Iwobi or a Mkhitaryan further ahead. Um, mm. I mean, I will say, I do, I do also think Meza Ozil, I know he scored a brilliant goal yesterday, but I think he was really, really bad. Uh, and I think there's a massive onus on him 
to be available and sort of knit the gap between the midfield and the front two. I mean, that's literally what he's in the team to do. And I just felt he didn't make himself available enough. Uh, I mean, that's certainly a point of view. I'm not sure it was the biggest issue yesterday. I, I did notice something. I mean, I'm sure other people picked up on this as well, but I noticed Ozil doing his level best not to pass the ball to Carl Jenkinson when, yeah. whenever possible. Yeah. And, you know, whatever you might think about that, um, it's not good for the team when an outlet on the right-hand side, whether it's good enough or whether Carl Jenkinson is good enough or not, when he's just being ignored um, by the key playmaker, you know, we can talk about it being an issue of team selection or whatever, but that's, you know, that's not helpful in any way. I, I agree with you, you know, Ozil was not great yesterday. I don't think Aubameyang was particularly good yesterday. Uh I wonder well, it how. It just felt like our front three weren't in the game for long. Yeah, but periods. I mean, this is this is this is where I come back to team selection. That the minute we changed it, went to a back four, and brought Iwobi on, things started to click. They mm. they worked. It worked. We had El Neni and we had Ginduzi on the pitch, who were who got pelters, one hundred percent pelters in that first half, uh, and you can understand why. I mean, there was you know. Uh, I'm not here to defend Mustafi in any way, but even I had some sympathy for him where he picked the ball up on halfway and he's standing there looking for anybody, anybody to pass the ball to in midfield. He's gesturing into this wide open space, a fucking prairie uh, where there is no Arsenal midfielder whatsoever. So, you know, those two players, I think, were were bad yesterday. Ganduzi and Elneny, I, I think they were bad um, in that system. But when we brought on Iwobi and when we had somebody else who could link the play um, and help move the ball forward, that wasn't so big of an issue. No, I agree. Uh, even though it sort of really surprised me that the central midfielders stayed on at half-time because I thought they were having a, a torrid time of it. I mean, the problem was the team selection he put out, it gave him too many changes to have to make. You know, yeah. really, you, after half an hour, you were looking at, at it thinking, after half an hour, he, he ought to sort of, in an ideal world, make three subs because Mavropanos was never going to stay on because he'd been booked. Um, Jenkinson was probably always going to come off because he was going nowhere. And then you were thinking, well, I'd like to get the central midfielders off, but I've got, I want to try and get Iwobi. Basically, he wanted, you know, Mkhitaryan never got off the bench, did he? But we no. actually needed those four players. We needed, I think, Torreira, Iwobi, Maitland-Niles and Mkhitaryan on to make a difference. So Emery left himself with too much to do. And I agree with you that I think he was guilty of taking uh, the home record slightly for granted. Mm. And I think he took... Palace too lightly. I mean, this is a Crystal Palace team that, okay, we can say it's Crystal Palace, but their waveform is really good. Uh, they've won at Manchester City. Uh, they won somewhere else pretty good. Uh, and they're really good on the break. So, uh, yeah, we, we absolutely got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. They've got the sixth best away record in the league. So it's only Chelsea, United, Spurs, City and Liverpool are better than them away from home and only marginally so yeah uh, and I think you know we, we we played an 11 that suggested that Emery thought 
as long as I've got my strikers out there, I can roll them over. Uh, yeah, but you've got to get the ball to the strikers. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be able to control the game in in a, in a way. Um, and you know, this is what makes yesterday so disappointing and so worrying for me is that you, you talk about the away record. We have the ninth best away record in the Premier League. Mm. You know, Palace are better than us. Leicester are better than us. Watford are better than us. And the other teams are the other the other part of the top six. Which is why when you look at what's left to play this season, uh, and people say, well, it's still in our hands what's what are you worrying about you know it's still in our hands yeah it is still in our hands but we've got to go and do things away from home that we haven't done all season really we've got to win consecutive games away from home I'm not sure if we've done that maybe we have earlier in the season I can't quite remember but you know it's it's added a heap more pressure onto us and I you know I, I do think that Emery got it wrong yesterday in the first half uh, I think I, I do too. Yeah, I, I do too. I just will jump in on the away record because I've been guilty of doing this in the last few weeks of looking at this away table and saying, you know, we're ninth, we're tenth. It is worth pointing out we have played two less games away from home than most other teams in the league. Right. So theoretically, you know, we win those games. Suddenly, we've got the fifth or sixth best away record. So that table has been skewed a little bit by the fact that we've always had these away games in the bank to come. Uh, Of course, that doesn't mean I'm confident either that we're going to go get and get them. I I agree that Emery got it wrong. The the only thing I will say for Emery is that, you know, when you're a manager who changes stuff, who, you know, rotates or makes tactical tweaks, you invite a certain degree of scrutiny. You know, with Arsene Wenger, and I only draw the comparison because it's what we're used to, we sort of could predict his team for every mm. game. And, and it was a big surprise. Remember, like, if Olivier Giroud wasn't picked, it was like, oh, my God, you know, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Um, Emery makes changes all the time, and it leaves him open to praise when he gets it right and criticism when it gets it wrong. The only thing I will say for him in this game is that, and I thought he could have changed it earlier, to be honest. I thought he might change it before half time, But when it did come to half time. I feel like he did make two changes that did massively change the momentum of the game. Absolutely, at, yeah. At the point Mesut Ozil equalised, and what a brilliant finish that is. I think that might be the best from that particular collection of... Uh, choppers. Choppers, yeah. I mean, so uh, it was crazy, absolutely crazy to even attempt it, as, as usual, and brilliantly pulled off. Um, but for, at that point, I thought, oh... We're going to be okay. Yeah, so did I. I. I think it was so wrong in the first half that uh, we have to give credit to him for getting it right uh, in, in terms of making the changes. It throws up the question, you know, is it just a consequence of having a manager who chops and changes and rotates that he is error correcting all the time or more than you would expect a manager to do because he is taking some risks or or, or making team selections that, that require correction? Is that is it positive that he can fix it or is it a negative that he gets it wrong as often? You know, I'm, I, I don't know where to yeah. stand on that now, to be honest. I, I think in a game like yesterday when really you're looking at a first half where if we'd picked the right team and the right system, it could have been won by halftime. And then you can potentially rest a couple of players, you know, rather than firefighting uh, or rather than taking the risk um, 
the other way, if you like. You know, there's a risk mm-hmm. in going for it and there's a risk in, in maybe being a bit more conservative or, or, as he put it, trying to protect players, you know, from injury or physical fatigue, which is understandable. I mean, I, I think we all get that, but either way, it's a risk. And when it doesn't work, you know, it comes back to, to bite you in the arse. But, you know, we did do well in that second half. We were, I think... On top, it wasn't exactly one-way traffic. Palace were still in the game, but given that we changed it, given the momentum had changed, given that we were playing better, we scored really early in that in that second half. I was confident. Maybe that says a lot about me, but you know, I, I was kind of confident based on our home record that we could go on and and win the game. I think that's a reasonable position. I mean, you know, if, if you look at any odds at that point, we would have been favourites to do that because we mm. were the home team theoretically with a better team we we had the momentum at that point and it, it really woke the crowd up as well I mean you know that was not a full Emirates Stadium yesterday and I know people a lot of people go away for Easter and mm. especially in London but it was uh it was patchier than I think it probably looked on the cameras uh particularly in the upper tiers yeah and it, it wasn't rocking it was it was a frustrated crowd in the first half. You could hear the yeah. frustration building. You know, not just a, you know the fact we went down. We'll talk about the goals now in a second. But some of the some of the passing. You know, when El Neni picked mm-hmm. up the ball and and passed it backwards, people were like, oh, you know, I, like he's I, the I only player. For, yeah, yeah. I, I feared slightly for El Neni. Um, I think Genduzi sort of has enough credit among the fans. But I, thought- I think that's what it is. I don't think Genduzi was particularly good yesterday. No. Uh, either you know, I think he ran around a lot and he he made a lot of passes, but to little effect. And I think there's a there's a sort of a petulance to his performances at the moment that I'm not warming to at all. Uh, you know, people can say, look, he's a spiky character. We need that, but you know, there were moments where I think he let the he let the red mist come down just a little bit um, and got yeah, involved I mean, I- in things he shouldn't have. I feel like this is probably a bit strong and maybe it's a, uh, a, a sign that I've not quite calmed down from yesterday as much as I thought I had. <laughs> oh, go <But> for it. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday, and I sort of still think today, I like Gunduzi. I think he's a big prospect. In my ideal world, I wouldn't be picking him to start a game for the rest of the season. I just feel like he looks like a young player who's kind of out of gas. Um and I mean that sort of psychologically as much as physically. It feels like he is... There's a sort of prickliness to him that, to me, suggests that he's kind of at the end of his tether. Uh, and, I, and I feel like it's kind of the point in his young career where it's almost like he slightly needs to be taken out of the firing line, almost for his own good. Uh, I don't yeah, think that's, that's harsh. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I think the the, the issue, of course, is that we, we don't really have a great deal of depth at this moment in time. But like you say, in an ideal world, yeah, I wouldn't be picking him either. If Ramsey and Xhaka and Torreira were all fully fit, Gendouzi wouldn't be getting in the team for me. Um, so, so look, no, and I know they weren't. And, and yesterday, I mean, one of the things that we haven't really said, we haven't mentioned Aaron Ramsey's name very much, but I mean, wow, the degree to which we missed him in the middle of the park yesterday was mm. frightening, wasn't it? It was, it was. Um, yeah, look, you know, a player of that quality when he goes out of the team and, and you know, he's been instrumental in some of our best performances. Uh, you know, you, you are going to miss him. And I think um, Xhaka, for all his flaws, is a player that we miss as well. Torreira, fully fit Torreira, 
I probably would have made a difference yesterday too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do have some sympathy with the manager for for the fact that his choices were limited. It was how he put the team together, I think, uh, only exacerbated the limitations of that choice, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to a central midfield. Um, but that wasn't our biggest problem on the day. Uh, the biggest problem on the day was uh, Shkodran Mustafi. And... I don't quite know where to start or what to say about this um, other than he drives me fucking mental. And yeah. I don't, you know, I think there are there are players who maybe aren't great players but try hard and are kind of honest. You know, they're limited. Like Carl Jenkinson, for example, you wouldn't say is really an Arsenal quality player, but, you know, he's he'll do his best for you, and he's mm. honest. Whereas I think Mustafi is not necessarily an honest player. I think he's... What's the word I'm going to use here, or how will I describe it? I think it's summed up in the moment after Zaha scores that second goal, where he jumps up in the air and throws his arms around as if somehow what happened was someone else's fault. Leno's fault, for example. He's sort of, you know, gesturing at the goalkeeper. And I think there's a stupidity to his game that we see time and time again, but a a sort of dishonesty to it as well. Because he does what he wants to do and doesn't really give a fuck afterwards. You know, you think about, do, do you, let me ask you a question. Here's a question. Do you think in the three years that Mustafi has been at this club, somebody has spoken to him about his tendency to slide and go to ground in tackles? Do you think that's happened? I think it has to have done. Right. Yes. Right. But he continues to do it. Hmm. He doesn't care about what he's being told, right? He, 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 he has to have been told about that. I'm not saying that was the issue yesterday, but the unwillingness or the reluctance or the inability to deal with that particular issue in his game, I think says a lot about his character. And yesterday... We saw that on display again, blaming Leno for his mistake, throwing his arms in the air again for the third goal, over which he was culpable too. And I think he has to bear some responsibility for the first goal. So let's go through them. Mavropanos picks up... Go on. uh, Jump in. I I don't know if you saw Tim Stillman's tweet about this, but I thought he put it very well. He said, uh, Mustafi's errors are always a result of him just wanting to quit a situation, either by sliding on his ass, leaving the ball for a colleague, or committing a stupid foul. Mm. It's always a personal exit strategy designed to end his involvement. Yeah. And I think that tallies with what you're saying, uh, that there is a kind of... Uh, cowardice almost in some of his decisions on the pitch and his unwillingness to take responsibility in yeah. those moments. Yeah. Um, yes, let's go through the goal. So the first goal, the first goal I would say, uh, he's not so, they're solely culpable individual no. there. No, Carl Jenkinson played uh, Palace on side. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a difficult one to try and draw the apportion the blame because you know if Jenkinson isn't playing them on side, um, then nothing happens, or the goal is, the- is disallowed concession of the free kick on replay was there any particular thoughts about that I saw Maverick Panos taking some stick for it yeah look he just grabbed the guy's shirt he pulled his shirt right. and held on to it and it was a yellow card definitely and it was a free kick definitely it's the sort of free kick that a young player will give away you know he got a bit exposed and decided to you know stop the stop the momentum of, of that particular attack which is actually something that we talk about a bit you know don't let them get too near your box. You know, take the free kick, take the yellow card. That's something we've said time and time again. Yeah, um, and it's something, you know, when Socrates does it, we probably say good old Socrates to an extent. Yeah, um, it's about where exactly you do it on the pitch. Maybe it wasn't the right place to do it. But also, you know, if the guy goes down and, uh, you know, hits the byline and puts in a good cross, maybe it's just as dangerous as a as a free kick. A free kick allows you at least to get organised and to, you know, mm. to, to, to sort yourselves out and to, to be good defensively, which we weren't. So it was a free kick. We should have defended it a lot better than we did. Um, that was another issue I had with Emery's selection, by the way, is that you look at Palace, um, and by the way, we should point out, Palace, I think, had I think only one or two of their first-choice back four playing. They had their second-choice right-back playing at left-back. They didn't have uh, Sacco, who's like their, their you know, dominating centre-half. Mm. Defensively, this was quite a weak line-up from them, so I think that makes our decision to be... Conservative in the in the players we picked, all the more bizarre. But where they do have a threat is on set pieces. They always have good delivery. They've got Benteke, and I think we were missing a few players who really help us out defensively in those situations. I think Nacho Monreal is far better than he's given credit for in the air. Obviously, Socrates was suspended, and that is another reason that if if Granite Xhaka had a chance to play yesterday, I would have picked him because Xhaka is six foot. He clears quite a lot of balls from corners and set pieces for us. And when you look at um, Elneny and Genduzzi, I don't know if I can remember either of them winning a header ever. <laughs> I'm serious. They don't compete for headers. Well, they actually, don't. they don't. There was a moment in the... I can't remember which half it was. Maybe the first half where Genduzzi there was the ball bouncing around in our box and he didn't even challenge for it. Didn't even challenge no. for the header, you know? Um, I don't know if it's something to do with the hair. <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of half joking, but they they are... I mean, I've never seen Genduzzi try and win a header. I have seen on any try, but it's certainly a really weak point in his game. When you add Meza Ozil in, that's three players in your starting eleven who will not be competing for balls in the air. That's true. And we true. can see two goals from set pieces. Mm. Uh, that was in the first half, because I'm looking back at the live blog, and it says, Genduzzi fails to jump for a header in our box. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a fair point that you make. Um, we paid the price for it in that, in that first goal. Second goal... Mustafi still has to track the guy, by the way. I mean, obviously, once... Yeah. You know, I know Jenkinson's played him on, but standing there with your arm in the air, you know... What, to, trying to stop him with your mind? Yeah, sure. This is not Jedi. the cross into the box that you're looking for. Yeah. <sighs> uh, and I felt sorry for Bern Leno, who made an outstanding double save mm. in that first half, um, which sort of kept us in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, and they had the ball in the net again, didn't they, Palace? You know, they were offside. Um, yeah, and Benteke put one over, didn't he? Put they? one over uh, right from- at the end of the first half, you know. So yeah. defensively, I, I think we were all over the place. However, we make the change. 
at halftime. We're better. We score a, a brilliant goal. I think Iwobi's involved, plays it to Lacazette. Lacazette's pass to Ozil is superb. Ozil's run and movement is superb. The finish is astounding. How he does that, you know, we could talk about that um, all day, but I don't really see the point because it's so insignificant um, compared to, to what happens next. So do you have any thoughts or ideas as to what it was that Mustafi was actually thinking when he did what he did? Uh, in the interest of balance, I've seen it put forward that he's expecting the goalkeeper to come and clear. Yeah, but, but why? Why? I don't know. And having watched the replay many times many, many times and sort of had it reverberating around my brain ever since. I don't feel like that comes close to justifying what he does. I mean, it's... I actually texted you, didn't I? Because I was at the other end. Yeah. I was at the other end of the pitch and I just saw what looked like Mustafi just let Zaha sort of run through him to score. And I, I texted you saying, what happened there? Because I couldn't quite believe what my eyes... Had shown me. It really reminds me of the Aguero yeah. goal. Yeah. Um, was that in the League Cup final? It was, yeah. Where, again, Mustafi just sort of ducks out of a contest, essentially. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not even like he sort of goes to ground and puts his hand up and sort of claims a foul. You know, it's it's like he just extracts himself from the situation. Yeah, I'm just... I've never really seen anything quite like that. I mean, we've had bad defenders down the years, um, but I'm not sure we've ever had any quite a sort of... What's the word? I think, yeah, sort of dishonest. You know, sort of yeah. lacking in basic bravery, a basic willingness to say, well, listen, I'm going to go into this battle and if I lose, it's, I lose. It's about taking responsibility Yeah, is all it is. Like, he had the ball at his feet. He had the ball at his feet. You know, the very worst thing he could have done, well, he could have done a number of things, but, like, he could have booted it out for a corner. He could have played it back to Leno. He could have actually used his body to hold off Zaha and, and play it back to Leno or play it out for a throw. But what he did, I don't know. He absolutely shirked the responsibility of that situation. You know? I mean, is it because, you know, I know this has been a point made elsewhere, but is it basically because he, he can't, he he doesn't fancy himself in that race with Zaha. But it's not a race. And it's not a race. He's ahead I'm of him. I'm watching it again now. It's not a race. He doesn't have to, like, chase him. He has, like... He stops. Yeah, he just stops. Like, he has the ball at his feet. You know, he just needs to take the responsibility, uh, you know, of a defender, of a professional footballer, and deal with the situation. Instead, he just he just stops like he chickens out of it. Like, what mm. is he doing? I've never seen anything like that. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen an Arsenal player do in terms of, you know, a, a player not, not doing their job on the pitch. You know, because we've had bad players before and players who make mistakes, you know, um... But this is this is 
next level stuff. And by the way, I'm watching it again on a sort of horrific loop. If Leno comes, he is potentially sort of getting quite close to Mustafi. And that's where things can go wrong. You know, there needs to be a bit of clearance so that if Mustafi wants to go back to Leno, he can. Um, It's so odd. And I think what compounds it and the reason I think that everyone's really had it with Mustafi this time is what he does immediately after the ball hits the net, which is kind of throw his arms out and and very obviously theatrically blame Leno. Mm. Uh, And I think that for a lot of people is just absolutely the final straw because, I mean... Like, own it, own it. If you fuck it up, own it. Yeah. You know, hold your hands up. It's not good. It doesn't make it acceptable or it doesn't make it any any better or easier to deal with, but own it and take your take the responsibility. It's your mistake. You fucked it up and you you take ownership of that. But trying to blame somebody else or making out that it's somehow not your fault is absolutely maddening. It really is. Yeah. And it's not the first time that it's happened, you know, this season. You know, he's he's had an error-strewn season. I can remember very early on, maybe the second game. Was it the second game of the season? I think it was, where we played Chelsea. I remember yeah, we had this big, long game. discussion about how um, he tried to play offside on the halfway line. Again, that's yeah. that's it's the same thing. It's like not taking responsibility or not taking um, your job seriously. You're looking for an easy way out rather than to, I mean, I don't even know if if just dropping off two yards off Socrates in in that situation, that was the easy thing to do. You know, he's, he's, uh, what did you say the other week? We've got too many crumblers in this team. Mm -hmm. He is Captain Crumble. He really is. And I think, you know, there have been times where, uh, I've been able to see sort of almost the funny side of Mustafi, and I think I'm past that point now. No, there I is no, the, the, there is no. The, the funny joke side. is absolutely over, and uh, I, it's sort of difficult to say how big a goal that could be. I mean, what, what was the? I think it was about five minutes, was it, between us equalising and us going behind? I mean, uh, no, no. I mean, we scored in what? We scored in the 47th minute. Oh, so it's slightly longer than and that. And they went ahead in the 60 62nd second. minute, 61st or 62nd minute, you know. So um, it, it wasn't so much that. But you could see that the goal and the way that the goal went in left the team a bit shell-shocked in some ways. And, you know, that could be a criticism. You know, I understand when you see a player do something that ridiculous, you're like, what the fuck? I mean, Kolasinac turns away in absolute disgust. And, you know, Kolasinac is not a player who uh, always covers himself in glory defensively either. Um, But I I think it it had a really profound impact on us. We We were rattled for another 10 minutes. And within that, within that time frame, they scored again. They scored again. Yeah. And again, Mustafi's at fault. You know, even if you want to talk, let's leave aside the fact that I think he could have done better with the with the clearance. He put it out for a corner when maybe he could have uh, put it out for a throw. 
he was caught sort of on the back foot running back. He was trying to play an offside, which didn't work. So he had to chase back. He had to put the ball out for a corner rather than a throw. And from the resulting corner, he's marking MacArthur. And as the ball comes in, I think, I think he, he, he goes to try and win the ball or he gets attracted to the ball. Instead, he leaves MacArthur absolutely uh, on his own to head home. That's his man. It's his responsibility. Again, he does the like, oh, what could what could have happened here? Oh, my goodness. How could this have happened to Arsenal Football Club? And to me, more importantly, Shkodran Mustafi. How could this travesty have occurred? I've got no idea. It's like, Argh. I think I'm getting wound up a bit here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm watching that third goal now. I mean, the first header, I don't know who wins the first header, but it's a guy who's up against Lucas Torreira inside the penalty box, so he's got significant height advantage there, which is a big problem. MacArthur's completely free at the back by the time it gets to him. Oh, yeah, Mustafi just wanders out. <laughs> he just wanders out. He just walks off. It just walks off. I hadn't actually seen that before. Yeah, he does just walk off. I think he sees Torreira losing that tussle and thinks, oh, no, I'll, I'll go and get involved there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's dereliction of duty, really, at the mm. far post. And um, I felt like in that period, you know, when they scored the second goal, I thought our focus sort of went a bit and maybe they took advantage of that. They did, yeah. Uh, uh, but at 3-1... I mean, at 3-1, I was thinking... I know a lot of fans, you know, I saw some fans around me turn and leave at that point and I was thinking, we need to try and get a point from this because I know quite how tight it is in this part of the table. And and I know we absolutely should have taken three points and dropping two points would have been maddening, but taking a point at least would have been something. Mm. And in 20 minutes, it's not inconceivable to no, score. No, absolutely. And we did, I mean, we did score. We scored yeah. another goal. Um, I can't remember the exact moment at which Aubameyang scored. What minute was it? Um, uh, I'd have to have a look now. But I thought that was... Uh, I thought Aubameyang did well. I mean, I know he got a bit of luck with the way the ball rebounded to him, but I thought he... But, I mean, it was it, it was kind of 76 minutes. So there was... Um, there was plenty of time. You know, 13... Five minutes added on to... 13 minutes plus five minutes. So, you know, the guts of 20 minutes to get another goal. I thought that was the... The only moment in the game when Aubameyang um, came to life, really, I thought he was he was really poor in the first half. You know, he only had nine touches of the ball, and again, we can talk about how the system played a part mm. in that as well. Uh, I don't think we can ignore that, but you know, I wonder is he a guy who's feeling his legs a bit? You know, that was his fourth ninety minutes in a row, or his fourth, you know, uh, in a very short period of time. So. Um, yeah, it wasn't inconceivable that we could have got another goal. Uh, I, I don't know that um, we did ourselves justice from an attacking point of view. You know, we gave away a lot of stupid free kicks in that final 15 minutes, which really prevented us building momentum. You know, Kolasinac was guilty. Uh, I can't remember who else, but... Um, on Kalasanach as well, I think it was eight attempted crosses in the oh. game, none, none of which found an Arsenal man. And, uh, you know, it does feel like... I, I remember speaking about Kalasanach in the past and saying, well, it's surprising, he's got so much composure when he gets into the final third. Where's that, that gone? That seems to have gone. Yeah. Um, I know he had a decent shot, didn't he, from the edge of the box? That yeah. was well saved. But, yeah, I, 
the crowd, I think, were starting to get a bit frustrated with him because he was getting to the byline. I think with Iwobi on, we had a little bit more fluency down that flank, but just time after time, hmm. felt like he was just battering it into the box. And I know sometimes the movement of the players in, in the box is sort of more important. I think we underestimate how often players look more for an area than they do for a man. I just think at that speed, you know, they, they, they are more often sort of pulling it back into an area and it's about someone getting there to meet it. But I really felt yesterday like there was a, a lack of care over yeah. his delivery. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, we did also have a good chance, I think, to level it with Alex Iwobi in the final few minutes. Um, one of the things that we've discussed when it comes to Iwobi is perhaps a lack of conviction or a lack of mm. real belief when it comes to his finishing. And mm. I think that was evident yesterday. You know, he needed to put his foot through that ball. I mean, he got a shot on target, but it was easy enough for, for the goalkeeper. In that situation, I think you need you need to really hit the ball. He didn't do it. I think he was more concerned about getting it on target than, than scoring, if you like. Um and that was yeah. that was the moment I think where we could have got something from the game, and didn't. Yeah, I think potentially if it fallen to another player, um, I mean I don't think it was a, a b- big chance. I just feel like in context it felt like you know oh that was a moment, uh, but he obviously needs to improve in that regard. And I kind of it, where was the game where we played away and he was offside and he just smashed it in? Do you yeah. remember from like twenty five yards and you thought. Just do that, mate. Yeah. Just do that. And I, I do think that when he puts his foot through the ball, as he has done on a few occasions, he generally fares much better than when he goes for these placed efforts that don't really have enough power or enough accuracy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, there's always a debate of, like, is he going to develop this goal-scoring touch? I sort of think he's probably not. Like, it, it, I sort of think we'd see more sign of it if he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just not the guy you would have wanted that to. I'm just looking at it. To. I'm looking at it here again. And I'm going to see. Oh, look, I think. I think that's a big, big chance. A big, big chance. It really is. You know, he's just outside. He's just outside the. Just beyond the penalty spot. And yeah, it's too tame. It's too mm. tame. I'm sorry, but that that's a big chance, and that's uh, you know I'm not blaming Iwobi for us getting nothing from the game. It's uh, it's uh, the, the 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 blame has to be apportioned elsewhere. But that is a chance for him to to have got us a point, um, and who knows how valuable that point might be. Um, well, one of the problems with this Arsenal team, and we've said this before, is who do you want that to fall to? Aubameyang and Lacazette. Yeah. If Aaron Ramsey's not playing. Is there anyone else in that team you really want that falling to? Not particularly. I don't. I mean, there was a similar sort of uh, opportunity. It was a bit further out for Ozil very early on. Yeah, in the first half. And again, yeah. you know, that was that was a tame effort from Ozil. I think. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so this curious thing where he can score when he does his little <laughs> uh, chop thing, but you know, in other situations, you don't really fancy him. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Wobi should try and practice the shop I mean it, it, yeah it, it, I you felt the crowd sort of at that moment go that oh, was probably I'm just watching it that. again here oh. 
Oh, my goodness. So what minute did that come in? That came in in the uh, just over 88 minutes. Yeah. So it's it's a nice move, and actually. we didn't really Ginduzi set much up. House. I mean, Ginduzi went mental. Uh, Ginduzi went crazy, actually. Uh, he might go mental, but he can't shoot either. He can't shoot No, I know, shit. I know, I know. I know. Like this is the problem in this team. There Maybe so that's not his who... job though. If you give if you give the ball as a central midfield player, if you give the ball to an attacking midfield player, you expect him to be a bit more decisive with the finish than than Iwobi was in that situation. So I can I understand his frustration. I don't think, you know, it was a good day for him all round uh, either, but I can understand his frustration there. Um, Maybe. But I I sort of am like, yeah, I mean, I, Iwobi is what he is. Like He's never scored from that position before. Why would he score from it now? Mm. It's not like it's Lacazette, and you're going, "You're better than that." That that is what. Yeah, he is. but also, that- I'm, yeah, but I okay, I accept that. But also, he's a he's a professional fucking footballer with a clear sight of goal from just over twelve yards out. You know, we're not talking. I'm not asking him to to you know do a Cruyff turn and flick it over his shoulder and and finish with a Rabona or something like that. I'm asking him just to take a decent shot and make it difficult for the goalkeeper rather than make it easy for the goalkeeper. You know, this is not something that should be somehow so difficult for him that we can... You can't. How can you excuse an attacking midfield player in the box and say that's not what what he does or not what he's he's good at? You know, most fucking lads in five-a-side at the weekend would fancy themselves to score a goal from there. You know, this is not a difficult thing that he was asked to do yesterday. I know it's not something he's necessarily that good at, but maybe we have to maybe we have to ask why is he not that good at it? Because it's not the most difficult thing in the world. Well, I just think that it's a massive problem in this team that we don't have enough people who can score goals. Uh, I think we've basically got the three, and one of them is Aaron Ramsey, and he's leaving. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe Mkhitaryan. Maybe Mkhitaryan on a good day, mm. but you know, and he didn't get off the bench, so that's what I mean. We left we left ourselves too many, too many changes to make, yeah. too much to fix. Yes, Iwobi doesn't score enough goals. You won't find anyone in the world who disagrees with that. He's not good enough in front of goal, but we still need him in this team. The way that we're playing, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's weird that he's not getting more minutes. He's started quite not started that many games in the last ten games. It will be. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's why he's uh, not getting the minutes. <laughs> I, I don't. I, yeah. You know. I'm just trying to throw it out there. Look, there's no question that we need to to improve our our potency in the final third you know as you say we've got three players who can score goals or who you would feel confident about scoring a goal when they're presented with a with a good chance um and that's not good enough really you know but also do not think as well like um i mean i you know i i would declare an interest i like a I, th- I like what he brings to the team i think he's a much better player than he gets credit for and I think that you saw when he came on yesterday, even though he, even though he's not a perfect player or close to it, functionally he adds a lot to the team. And sometimes there mm. are just players who functionally improve a team. But uh, do you not think the issue is that we're talking about home game at Crystal Palace and we're looking at that one chance and going, that was it. 
that was top four, that chance. We had 585 passes to their 166. Yeah. And look, they had more shots than us. No, no, I get it. You know, it's, it's a moment in a game. It's a moment in the game that you, you can only look at within the context of, of what was happening and what we did yesterday, you know? Um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that it will be failing to take that chance is the reason why we, we dropped three points or we lost at home. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's something that you have to look at as you're planning to restructure and rebuild this team Mm. You you have to look at moments like that, and they have to inform the decisions that you make. You know, when it comes to the transfer market, or who we're going to recruit, or how we're going to set up next season, or, or anything else. So yeah, know. I think that's uh, that should go without saying. I mean, this week in midweek, I watched Man City play Spurs. I saw two guys in Raheem Sterling and Son, and you and you look at what they offer from a wide position and the goal threat that they provide. And you just think, well, we haven't really got that. It's not something no have. And, you know, I would desperately love us to have wide players who had that sort of threat. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's got to be top on the list. But I just think we... I mean, we didn't miss a plethora of chances in this game because we only had 12 shots. Yeah. Um Funnily enough, I actually thought Mustafi missed a pretty good chance as well on a set piece arriving at the back post. He did, he headed yeah. over the bar. Yes, you know, but I, you know... And I've, I've had enough diving. Mistakes. It was a great all-round performance. Oh, diving, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I think, I think we need to take a break here because we've done the game to death, um, but there are obviously things we need to discuss as well. We've probably got more questions about Mustafi and, and everything else. Um, so will we take a break and come back and do part two? Let's do that. Let's do that. Get a. I think I'll get another cup of coffee. Um, All right. With some brandy in it, perhaps. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, we'll do a yeah, break. I haven't really looked at the questions yet, so yeah. let's do that. Let's oh, do sorry, that. I, I thought we'd stop recording then. No, we're still recording. <laughs> this is another behind-the-curtain thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I think no, when no. you said you're going to get a coffee, I was like, oh, yeah. We're, so this is my normal voice that I do when we're not recording. Yeah. It's very similar. It is quite similar. All right, we'll take the break. We'll be back right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Patreon members Discord chat server, which you can get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. If you want to be one, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. And from there, the first question comes. It's sort of two part because I've got one on Twitter as well here. Uh, it comes from Prithrer. I don't know how it's M-P-R-T-H-R. Anyway, he says, realistically, how much money would we be able to make from the sale of Mustafi this summer? Or given his wages, will we be able to sell him at all? I'm not sure it's his wages that would be the impediment to making a sale, uh, to be perfectly honest there. But also uh, Tobias Mans or Manes uh, on Twitter, he's at Mans or Manes 14, says, how certain are you that Mustafi won't be here next season? I'm not, and it scares the shit out of me. I really hope he's not, uh, genuinely, because I sort of feel like I don't... It's been this way for a while, but I just don't see a way back for him, Arsenal. You know, I can't see him regaining the trust of the fans, uh, and I'm tired of watching his mistakes. So I hope he's gone. I'm not massively convinced he will be. Um... (laughs) I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it just, you know, he survived this long. He's like a cockroach, right? You just can't get rid of him. Captain Crumble the Cockroach. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Do you think he'll be gone? Uh, I think, yes. I think he will. I think he has to be. Uh, You know, a player, there's a critical mass of support or lack of support for a player, and he's gone beyond that now. I think it would be detrimental to him and detrimental to the team for him to be an Arsenal player next season. I mean, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I, uh, in the last six or eight months, James, have had mm. to go to a dermatologist okay. because of my time in living in in Spain, I got a bit, you know, bit of sun damage on my forehead. Right. So I've had a number of things burned off my forehead. They do it with kind of dry ice, you know? Sure. Um, these are sort of precancerous little things on my forehead. They've been burned off. And they, they, a couple of them keep recurring. So the dermatologist said, look, you can, you can undergo this course of treatment. It's a cream that you apply to your forehead or to wherever you might have sun damage. And basically right. what it does is it, it sort of burns away all the bad skin and all the bad skin cells, right? Yeah. So you end up with what looks like really bad sunburn all the time. My forehead at the moment is is raw and horrible. I look like Deadpool. Okay. I would rather stay like this for the rest of my life than see Mustafi as an Arsenal player <laughs> next season. Okay. So that's where I am. I with think that. that's. I thought you were going to say that Mustafi was the sort of precancerous bits of Arsenal that no. had to get sort of eaten away by acid. Otherwise, it's going to no. kill us. No, not quite. Um, but you know, it would work though. Uh, but yeah, that's very generous of you. I don't think you're going to have to stay like that. I uh, and I. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope for your sake he's gone. I hope for your sake he's gone. I think I, I just yeah. what, what I will say is this: 
I know it feels like he plays all the time, <laughs> but he's actually not in Emery's first choice eleven. But um, isn't he the he's the luckiest player I think we've yeah. ever had in well, he's terms a of man, I guess. Yeah, but but it's like every time you think we have found a way forward without him, he's he becomes necessary again. This is the issue, you know. I mean, he is the third most senior central defender that we have. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I, I you have to ask questions. If a guy is that error prone, you know, you have to ask questions of his selection. Um, it, it should be one of the top priorities of this club to move him on this summer. I don't think it's impossible to get a transfer fee f- for him, but no way are we getting anywhere near what we paid for him. No way. Like his, oh, no his value, which was never £35 million in the first place, has now plummeted like, uh, I guess, one of those tech stocks, you know, that everybody goes, this is the greatest thing of all time. Probably like when, when Uber will float on the stock market and everyone will think, hey, this is great. We'll, we'll spend all our money on Uber shares and they'll, they'll be $50 each. And then everyone will realize this company doesn't make any money and then they'll be worth 3p something like sure. that maybe not necessarily uber but you know that kind of a thing has happened in the past people spend a fortune on these shares and then the value of them just plummets and i think that's where we are with mustafi if we got somewhere between 5 and 10 million pounds i would be happy I think pound for pound, he is probably the worst signing Arsenal have ever made. <laughs> like, mm. given what we paid, given what we paid, yep. I think he is probably the worst signing in our history. Um, he's started 34 matches for Arsenal this season. Only one player has started more games. Would you hazard a guess at who that might be? Uh, wow. Um, is it is it Monreal or Genduzi? It is neither of those two. Huh. Uh, it is actually Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Oh, Th- yeah, that makes sense. Of 36 course. starts for him and nine sub-appearances, so no wonder he might look a little bit uh, leggy. But yeah, apart from that, Mustafi leads us 34 starts. Uh, this question is from Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast, Clive PAFC, and he just says, ignoring the obvious, who do you blame for Sunday and why is this team focused on the Europa League? Is it as simple as you you blame Mustafi? Or? Um, well, I mean, you have to blame Emery for his team selection in the first half, which put us on the back foot. There's no escaping that. You have to blame Mustafi to a large extent because he was responsible for individual errors which which made our life very difficult um, I think you could look at certain big players in this team who didn't quite do as much as you would like them to do and and, and weirdly I'm, I'm thinking of Aubameyang and Ozil both of whom scored and people will say well what more could they have done but I do feel like they're players who are capable of doing more in general. You know, they provided us with two important moments, but could they have done more throughout the 90 minutes? Maybe. Um, I mean, here's here's to throw it back on you. Dave Willis asks, uh, without ignoring the fact that we were absolute dog shit yesterday, can we apportion any of the blame on the performance to the fact that we've played six games in 21 days? 
Yes, uh, we can. And I, you know, this was always a tough run of games. We played Everton, Napoli, Watford, Napoli, Palace in the space of, what, two weeks? Mm. You know, that's a crazy run. And I think that really where it cost us is that Emery felt the need to rotate. And the reason he felt the need to rotate is because the games keep coming. He's got to go to Wolves on Wednesday. And I think that in his mind, he was like, I want Shaka for that game. I want Torreira for that game. Mm. You know, I want Maitland-Niles. You know, I think he had that game in his mind, probably even more so than the Napoli trip, the previous Napoli trip, when picking his team. I think he thought, I'm going to rest players for the home match and then go full strength away from home because those that's a massive game, Wolves. He just got the gamble wrong, you know, and uh, it didn't come off. And, and, oh, and in fairness to him, we are a little bit stretched in certain areas. You know, Socrates is suspended, Ramsey is injured. We have almost forgotten that Hector Bellerin, Rob Holding and Danny Welbeck even play for us at this point. Yeah. Um, there are absentees and we have felt that. We have really felt that in this period. I mean, think what a difference those players might have made. Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, uh, that's why that's why Alex Alex Cullen17 says, do you think Emery's getting too much for the result yesterday? I assume he meant too much criticism for the result yesterday. His team selection was poor, but we've had injuries. His subs seem to have rectified the problem well. We were well on course to win the game until uh, Mustafi stepped in and then heads dropped. I think... I think that he did very well to get the results against Napoli, Watford and Napoli that he did. I mean, and, and he, a huge amount of credit was coming his way after going away to Naples, winning that 1-0, keeping a clean sheet on the road, taking us pretty serenely through to the semi-finals. And, you know, that has sort of been massively punctured, hasn't it, by mm. the Palace match. I think in general, he's managed the squad really well uh, and balanced it very well. I do think on this occasion... I think he probably went, and it's probably only a player too far. I just felt like there was sort of, I just felt like Elneny and Genduzi, you know, Mavropanos and Jenkinson. I just thought it was too big a risk. Do you think, or what would you think of the assertion that he's focusing on the Europa League? I mean, do you think that's, do you think that's playing in his mind? Is he looking at, I mean, is, is Unai Emery, as a coach who, who obviously wants his team to win every game and finish as high uh, as they can up the table in his first season and get Champions League football and all that. But do you think maybe he's looking at this situation and thinking, well, will I be remembered for getting a team into the top four or will I be remembered for winning Arsenal a European trophy. I'm not even suggesting it's it's a conscious thing, but do you think it's potentially influencing some of the de- the decisions that he's making? Maybe. I mean, I think you said yourself, didn't you? You'd rather win a trophy of the two. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's... I can understand why people are saying is the focus on the Europa League. And when you look at the performances, our performances in the Europa League are better than our performances in the uh, Premier League. Well, the last couple have been, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that you have to sort of level that accusation 
Not that it's a particularly mean accusation, but I think you have to level it at the players as well as at the, yeah. the staff. But I would also say that he's picking his strongest teams for the stronger opponents. You know, it's it's you know when you'll get your games are against Watford and Palace, and you pick a less strong side than you do to play Napoli. I don't think you can necessarily say, "Oh, he's prioritising that competition." He's just picking teams. Do you know what I mean? He's just mm. regarding Napoli as a greater threat. And actually, I think he would have picked a very very strong team for Wolves away, regardless. Um, so I'm not sure that he's massively prioritising one over the other. I do think he's slightly mm, underestimated Palace. I do think that. I think this was always a tougher game than many assumed. And mm. it surprises me that someone who who does their homework as much as Hemery... Hemery? <laughs> Unai Hemeroid. Uh, Unai Hemeroid, yeah. Um, it surprises me that he sort of got that wrong. I mean, mm. what, what do you think about I, I, it? I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to say whether he's prioritising Europa League. You know, as you say, when you're facing Napoli, who are second in Serie A and a very good team, you know, it's normal to play uh, a strong team. And then when you're facing Palace at home, there is maybe a bit more margin for for rotation within your squad. We've talked uh, on this podcast about how we think he got it wrong. You know, um, his decisions have been, um, or his decision for this game were were bad for the first half. He, he sorted it out for the second half, but again, you you have no margin for error then because you don't have the the advantage of two late substitutes or you know you're you're sort That's of stymied yeah. by your own mistake in a way. Yeah. So ultimately, it comes back on you. You know, if you do something wrong and then you have corrected and then it goes wrong again, you know, you, you just have no way out. So I don't necessarily think it's. It's prioritizing the Europa League, but I'm very curious now to see what way we set up um, on Wednesday. Gunnar, Gunnar82 at Gunnar1682 says, who would you play against Wolves and Leicester with the game against Valencia in mind? Also, when do you rest Koscielny? Well, I was going to mention that because, you know, there was a lot of talk heading into the game about Koscielny not playing. And I think we even spoke about it as a possibility on the Askos the previous week. But when it came to the crunch, I mean, as much as Emery took Palace softly, he didn't feel he could play without Koscielny, did he? You know, I just think he must have looked at it and thought, there's no way I can line up without both Socrates and Koscielny. Mm. I kind of think... I think he'll take his chances with Koscielny at this point. Um, you you I think, think he'll just play him in every game? I think there's a really strong chance of that. Uh, maybe he'll miss like the Brighton game or something like that. But I think he'll roll the dice. And, and to be honest, Koscielny, to me, didn't look as fit as he has against Palace. I thought there were a few moments in the game where he pulled up or he went down. And I thought, mm. he's feeling this now. Why wouldn't he? It was his fourth consecutive game. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. And, and I... Well, I mean, let's ask you a straight question. Would you pick him at Wolves? Um, yeah. I think I would. I would too. It feels to me like it's such a huge game. You know, we really, really... Well, I mean, what's the alternative? Do you pick well, the Mustafi? Alternative is, 
Socrates is back. That's Socrates right. is back. So the alternative is, I mean, he could play. He could play a back three of Monreal, Socrates, and Mavropanos. Mavropanos. I mean, can he, he pick wants. Mustafi? Can you pick Mustafi? Well, I think <clears throat> Mustafi will certainly play more football between now and the end of the season. I think I, anyone I don't, who says, yeah, I don't disagree with that. <clears throat> um, yeah. I think we have to accept that that's going to happen. Yeah, that's a sad part of our reality. What did you make of Emery's comments after the game? I know there was a bit of consternation about him saying he's been consistent all season. Did I, you... I think it's just classic manager not getting drawn into criticising a player publicly. Yeah. I think that was the right thing to do. You know, uh, He plays a straight bat, doesn't he, most of the time in a yeah. press conference. You know, and you can't argue with what he said. He has been consistent. This season, I mean, I think he was trying to be positive about him, but it's an, a moment of unintentional comedy because he has been consistent. Uh, you know, he's been consistently error prone, and um, his performances have been poor. I think throughout this season, uh, you know, there's all kinds of Twitter threads and stuff going al- along with all the mistakes that he's made, and I don't think that's even the half of them. Um, you know, I think we've got away with a lot of stuff with, with Mustafi this season. You know, what what's, what can he do? What can he do when asked about a player like that? He can hang him out to dry or he can just sort of play a straight bat, as you say, and and deal with it in his own way. I mean, his own way is to not pick him. And when he's had Koscielny and Socrates fit, he hasn't picked him. Mm. You know, and that's that's where I think we are. Um, it's... Yeah, it's a risk, I think, to play Koscielny physically because he's 33, he's gone through this terrible injury. He's got to be feeling the physical effects of playing that much, even at his his age right now. But I wonder, is the risk of playing Mustafi even bigger because you know he's going to make mistakes? And well, I, he, yeah. I wonder what the rest of the players think as well. With Koscielny... Is it is the risk mitigated? Is it less of a risk in a three than it is in a two? I think it so. Like yeah, that to me, I think so. Yeah, because you can have the players either side of him do a bit of his running and and the covering, and he can read yeah. the game and sweep the game, and you know, uh, you know, like, as the central player in a back three, you're not necessarily pulled as far uh, over the pitch or, or all over the place as you are in a in a back four. Yeah, so I, I feel like. I wouldn't ask Koscielny to play in a back four at Wolves. I just think you're stretching it too far mm. at that point, which I think kind of makes slightly the decision for you on system. Like if you want to pick Koscielny, because I, I, this is what I would play at Wolves, I think. I think I would obviously pick Bern Leno, who I feel sorry for yesterday. I thought, as I say, pretty good. I would pick Koscielny, Socrates and Monreal. As my back three, I thought we really missed Monreal's ability uh, to pass out of defence yesterday. I thought our build-up play, our, start, our problem started before El Nene and Gunduzi. I think Holding and Monreal over the course of the season on that left-hand side of the back three have been our main sort of passing outlet. And Socrates is okay as well. Because mm-hmm. um, passing was actually very good, I thought, against Palace. I think it's an underrated element of his game, but yeah. I don't think Mavropanos... Um, and Mustafi were at that level. Uh, then I would probably go with the wing-backs, so Maitland-Niles and Kalasinac. I would do everything I could to get Shaka and Torreira on the pitch. Yeah. Um, 
Ahead of that, I'm not slightly less sure. Ahead of that, I'm slightly less sure. Uh, I, you know, you, you're up, I think you've basically got two front threes, which are Ozil, Aubameyang and Lacazette, which is one behind two, or two behind one, which is mm. Iwobi. Mkhitaryan. Yeah, and, 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 a, and a striker. I have a um, feeling he might go for a Wobi Mkhitaryan behind Lacazette. Is that what you would do? What would I do? But bear in mind, Mkhitaryan played no football on Sunday, so he might be fresh. He's fresh. Wobi's a half-time change, relatively fresh. Lacazette, you know, didn't play against Watford. Um, Aubameyang was, you know, despite his goal, was peripheral yesterday. I wonder just if he might need a little bit of a rest. Um, I think the fact that we kind of have to play a back three. I think we do. Like, I, in an ideal world, I'd probably pick Koscielny Socrates in a four, mm. Kalasinac and Maitland-Niles. Then you'd have Xhaka and Torreira. You'd put one up top, say Lacazette, and then you could have you could have Ozil, Iwobi, and Mkhitaryan mm. behind him. And that looks like a lovely balanced team. I just don't know if we have the centre halves to make that work right now. No, I could be tempted though. Yeah, it does sound good actually when mm. you lay it out like that. Because you would, I say Kalasnac. Actually, you'd probably put Monreal out in as your left back because he's fresh. Yeah. You put Maitland-Niles at right back, who only had 45 minutes. Koscielny and Socrates, who were excellent against Chelsea. And then overload. Yeah, load up load up on your attacking options because... You haven't got Ramsey, so you put Shaka and Torreira in as your base and then you can have Mkhitaryan, Iwobi and Ozil behind a striker, rest one of the strikers. Yeah, and have something on the bench if you need it. But I tell you now, I'm worried about what we're asking of Koscielny and that's Oh yeah, absolutely. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get rested yesterday because it felt like the kind of game that we could have rested him for more easily than certainly Wolves or, or, uh, or Leicester away. You know, he's so important to our defense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just think he is so important that he's sort of become undroppable. And I know that that's a risk, but I'm sure there are talks happening. I'm sure the medics are involved in this situation. Mm. I'm sure they're trying to be aware. I, I don't think I could in good conscience really <laughs> name an Arsenal team without him at the moment. I can slightly understand. I, I agree it, it's sort of absurd how reliant we are on him, but we are completely reliant on him. Mm. Yeah, we are. It's just a consequence of of our squad building and obviously the injuries that we've had this season. You know, if we had Rob Holding fit, then I think we'd be much healthier. Uh, we'd certainly have options that we wanted to use. Maybe it's a case that he's got to just have have some faith in Mavropanos, who I thought wasn't bad. Yesterday in the 45 minutes, it was just that the card made him expendable. He was the obvious yeah, guy to come it. off, you know. Um, can, a, can a young player manage a, a yellow 
uh, a yellow card in in a game like that uh, in a back four as well because there was a moment I think late in the first half where they broke down the right hand side their right hand side and Mavropanos came charging over and then remembered that he had a yellow card and he just kind of stopped um, you know he he couldn't go in for the for the challenge so I think that's what made him expendable yesterday maybe you know if he's got enough faith to start him away at Watford he could start him. He could start it. Maybe. Maybe. I, I wouldn't run that risk. I, I just think, you know, Jimenez is a really good centre forward, I think, at Wolves. And I think we need Koscielny and Socrates. I, I know I said, I, yeah, if Koscielny can play in that four, then I think that's the best 11 we can pick for this game. Mm. But I, if Emery goes with the three, I think we have to assume that the reason why is that we have to provide some protection for our best defender. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a question from John Stones, who's taken time out from being Spurs at the weekend with Man City, to ask us, as it stands, we are fourth and the two below us still have to play each other and seem equally inept as we are away from home. Do we just all need to calm down? I'm not sure anybody's going mental, are they? Are people going crazy? Is it? I've a- definitely seen a lot of people, because I tweeted saying, I'm really disappointed about the result. I don't think it means top four is gone. And a lot of people came back with top four's gone. I well, will say that that's... I, I, I said after the game that I think I doubt our ability to make the top four now. And people gave me some stick for that. And it was... Well, a, I, I, my rationale is that our away record uh, has been poor. And if we're capable of fucking up a game the way we fucked up the Palace game at home, where we're supposedly strong, we're going to two teams who are going to make life very difficult for us away from home. So that's where I have my doubts. Um, I think I have a question here from Adam. What, Adam uh, at Adam Arsenal, what do you think it'll take now to see us into the top four? Will it be three wins? It's going to be ultra tight now after yesterday's slip-up. I, I don't know that it's a case of calming down, but I think it's a case of being realistic about what we need to do. I know that the two below us play each other. Um, it could be a case that they both drop points, which would obviously be great for us. But it might also be a case that uh, Chelsea win. And that would make life well, very difficult for us. If Chelsea win, it's really bad news. Yes, but basically the way I've, I mean, every time I talk about the numbers on here, I get it wrong. (laughs) And people come back to me and say, what you said doesn't make any sense, James. And so I'm going to try and avoid the numbers. But Chelsea have got three very winnable games, I would say. Um, And if they beat United, because I think Spurs are sort of over the line. I think Spurs will get there now, definitely for top four. Mm. They've, you know, I think they'll be all right. I know they've got the Champions League to balance, but their fixtures are not difficult. Um, if Chelsea beat United, I think we're in big trouble. I think we sort of need... Well, I think we need City to beat United on Wednesday. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And then I think we need United to beat Chelsea so that that sort of balances that out and ensures Chelsea don't get too many points. And then I think we need to win three of our four games. Yeah, I think we need to win three. Yeah. I think we need to win three. So it's kind of maddening, isn't it, that had we won yesterday, we would be sat here saying, we need to win two from four. That would feel, for some reason, very doable. Mm. Um, 
I mean, I, it's kind of mad. We are Arsenal Football Club and we're saying, how are we going to do this? We've got to go to Burnley. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've got to go to Burnley, Wolves and Leicester. I mean, that's We a, shouldn't be scared about that. We, yeah, uh, but we've every right to be. I know. I know. I'm just sort of pointing out how the mighty have fallen that we're sat here going. Mm. Like, imagine if you're a Burnley fan and you like were listening to this podcast and you hear us going like... What are we going to do? Have more. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's not the one I'm worried about so much. No, I'm more not. worried about Wolves, and I'm worried about Leicester. Wolves have been very good this season, and I think they have the attacking players to cause us real problems. And I, 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 I wonder about our confidence as well going into I mean, this I'm- one because we're fragile away from home. You could see how fragile we were in the Watford game. You know, we mm-hmm. with an extra man for 80 minutes, and we made really, really hard work of that. And I think going to Napoli would have been a boost. And then we were looking at Crystal Palace as a home game, as sort of a home banker. And we have this momentum going into to the Wolves game. And now we don't have that momentum. And we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot, you know, going into this game. So I wonder what little confidence we had away from home. How is it going to, how are we going to cope if we concede an early goal against Wolves? You know, or even if we go a goal up, you know, do we become inhibited? Do we sit back and, and just go, oh, shit, like, how do we play this now? Because we don't know how to do it. You know, I, 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 have, I have worries. You know, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause for thought is that, you know, at, at points this season when there have been real doubts about where we're going and how Emery is doing what he's doing, he's managed to fashion a response from the team. You know, you think about the the week where we played Tottenham and Manchester United and we said that was a pivotal week in the season. Like if we don't get something from those games, it's over. And we did. We got four points from from those two games. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I'm hopeful of is that we have that kind of a response again from from Emery. Uh you know, we we take a step forward, we take a little step back. We take a step forward, we take a couple of steps back. You know, there's been a bit too much of that this season, but maybe this little setback is something we can use to to, to focus and to to really drive on. I mean, I know I'm I'm sound like I'm kind of clutching at straws a little bit, which I which I sort of am. But well, here's another straw for you. I mean, mm-hmm. Wolves since they lost that FA Cup semi final, they haven't looked brilliant they lost 3-1 at Southampton they drew at the weekend 0-0 with Brighton you know I I think they have suffered a little bit since that game and maybe slightly lost their way I mean there's sort of nothing really for them to play for at this point in the season they're very much ensconced within mid-table so Hmm. I don't know let me ask you straight out do you think we'll make top four yes I do is that crazy? There's nothing crazy. It's just what you think. Do you think we will? No. No. Sad I've, to hear. I mean, obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be completely and utterly wrong. But I just have too many concerns about our away games, these two away fixtures. And I think yesterday was kind of a what would you say what's that thing they say about when you're a boat you're hip below the waterline I just Mm. feel like yeah 
It was. It was. Look, there were big points to drop. Big, big points. As I think, you know, momentum is a massive thing, and um, you know, we had it and we've lost it slightly, and we could have really tightened our grip on the top four. But it's it's th- it's three wins from four games. I mean, even if we get battered at Wolves <laughs> on Wednesday, we still only need to beat. Burnley, Brighton, and Leicester. Oh, it's kind. It's kind. Look, I see it. I I see on paper how doable it is. Yeah, how doable it is for Arsenal Football Club. But I also see this team, and I see its performances away from home, and I see a manager who every time we think maybe he's clicked it and understands his squad, he makes decisions which backfire. Mm-hmm. And I'm not ex- um, excusing Emery in any way here. I, I think he plays a part in, I mean, I think he deserves massive credit for us being where we are. But I also think we could even be a bit further ahead than where we are. And some of the de- uh, the decisions he's made, team selections he's made this season have played a part in in, in some of the results that we've had. You know, I I feel like we really need the big players and the experienced players to step up in a big way. That's why I'm inclined to start someone like Ozil at Wolves. I know, you know, Emery's been a bit reluctant to use him in away games, but I just feel like we need to be able to lean on our stars Mm. at this point. And either they produce or they don't. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's what they're for. We've got to win three out of four games put the best players on the pitch yeah um, and I think Wolves is the toughest game we've got left I do think that I'd agree I'd agree um, do we have another question here I think I might uh, I've got one here from uh, uh, Kevin Hubbard at JPAH underscore Kevin have we seen the last of Carl Jenkinson in an Arsenal shirt yes yeah, I would say so. Mm. I can't. I think we're more likely to see Mustafi as a right back than we are to see Jenkinson as a right back. <laughs> and I think it was so telling what you said about it's you know other players. The way players treat and respect other players tells you a lot. And they weren't giving him the ball, particularly Özil. And yeah. I always remember. I always, funnily enough, we're talking about Iwobi earlier. I always remember when Iwobi broke into the team, one of the first things I noticed was Ozil gives him the ball. So it's like, you know, he's got some sort of technical grounding. You know, the other players see him in training and think he's yeah. decent. Uh, and they're, you know, Genduzi, Ozil will give him the ball. He was not giving that ball to Jenkinson yesterday. And it actually rendered us quite blunt on that side. And I think, yeah, I can't see it. I, I'd be very surprised, let's put it like that. Yeah, an injury yeah. crisis. An injury, an injury crisis. crisis, yeah, anything could happen. I suppose uh, as well we have to look at the... Um, look at what it says about Stefan Licksteiner as well. Well, I mean, he's out the door, isn't he? I mean, it just seems like we don't get told he's injured. He's not in the matchday squad. And Carl Jenkinson is getting picked ahead of him. Yeah. Whether there's been some kind of falling out or, or I don't, I don't quite know, but... You know, it says a lot about what Emery thinks about Licksteiner. Yeah, and I think as well, obviously, there was an option for a second year and presumably it's been communicated that that option won't be taken up. 
So he's just completely fallen away from contention. Um, mm. Mm. I actually forgot he played for us, genuinely. <laughs> like, I, when Jenkinson played yesterday, I wasn't like, oh, where's Lichtsteiner? It didn't occur to me. Yeah. Which uh, tells you something. Yeah. Maybe he'll come back. <laughs> Maybe he'll play at Wolves. Who knows? I mean, look... It's time for the glorious return. There, there are decisions to be made, defensive decisions to be made. And, you know, let, let's remember he used Lichtsteiner in a back three at times. Exactly. Would you rather see him in a back three than Mustafi? Um, Devil in the deep blue sea, isn't it? It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would. would. Yeah. Right. Why not? Okay. Why not? I just don't want to see Mustafi. Musty. Your boy Musty. 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 (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) It's funny that his, his nickname is Musty. Do you know what I mean? Must he play? Must he? Must he keep doing that? Must he get picked every week? <laughs> Why? Oh, my God. Actually, I, have a, where I think I should just play out with this. Um, I've got a little video clip here of Mustafi talking somewhere. See if I can find it. Uh, boom, boom, boom. I don't know where anything is. I should have a better indexing system on my, on my computer. Yeah. Search by file names. That's what I do all the time. Yeah, I try, but like... I mean, most of it's on the desktop, I'll be honest. It's chaos over there. Really? I can't stand that. Yeah, I have to go through it every couple of weeks and clean it up. It's really... I can't stand that. Uh, Okay, here it is. Here it is. One sec. How can you be so stupid? (laughs) There we go. How can you be so stupid? There is the question that we are all asking. All of us. He's asking it of himself. Mm. Um, I think we right. should go. I don't know Let's what more go. we can yeah, say. We've done it now. We've done it. Uh, I think it's still on. Okay. The, the double is still on. I'm thinking it as a double now. Top four in Europa League. Top four in Europa League. Okay. It's Okay. Uh, Look, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. It's even on if we lose to Wolves, but no, it it's will be very not. difficult. It will. It's Literally, not. Uh, People keep saying to me things like, if we lose to Wolves and Chelsea win on Monday, there'll be more points behind. It doesn't matter. If United beat Chelsea and City beat United, we have to win three games. It doesn't matter which three. It doesn't matter which order. Oh, I know it's you think it's still mathematically or arithmetically uh, on, but it's not on. If we lose to Wolves, that's it. Game over. No, I still believe. Still believe. Fair play but to But we're going to beat Wolves anyway. We're going to beat Wolves. Okay. Well, yes, I hope I so. don't believe that for a minute. I don't <laughs> believe that for a single minute. Uh, I think we could beat Leicester. We could beat Burnley. But Wolves You don't think we'll hard. beat Wolves. But mm. it's fine. We'll draw that and then win the other three. Ten points. Lovely. In the clear. Look out, Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be upbeat. You're doing your best podcast. to make this podcast yeah. finish on a, on a happy note. I appreciate exactly. that, and I think all the listeners would appreciate that as well. <laughs> Um, whether it's provided any catharsis for you or not, I don't necessarily know. Um, do I feel cathartic? Cathartized? I, feel a bit I always feel a bit better afterwards. Okay, well, that's good. That's do good. you not? You still feel sad and angry? <sighs> Maybe. I'm just wor- you know, worried now that I'm going to be stuck with this Deadpool forehead for the rest of my life. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will be stuck with Mustafa. Yeah. That's the way it's going to go. That's the way it's going to go. Okay, we will. Uh, we'll we'll have more stuff during the week. Um, stuff will keep happening. It will keep happening. Stuff will keep happening, and we'll do more stuff around it. We'll do more podcasting exactly. stuff around it. Uh, okay, 
let's leave it there. Thanks for yeah. listening. Um, musty, musty, musty. Musty. Musty end this podcast? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, from both of us, thank you very much indeed. We'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.